Yeah, cool. We're live. So I can't speak today due to the football. <laughs> last so Russell's going to take over. I'm joined today by Russell Dawson, who is uh, one of my most trusted email experts in my network, and he's currently working at Spark Post. So Russell, give us all an intro on who you are, your background, and how you got involved in email. Yeah, nice to meet you, Adam. Thanks. Um, yeah, so Russell, I've been a long-term email uh, marketing professional for about 12 years now. Um, covering the last six, sort of running my own teams, email strategies, operations, et cetera, like that. So um, I sort of take care of the end-to-end email um, channel. So, um, you know, getting all the other areas of the business mixed in, sales, marketing, sort of data, compliance, those sort of areas. So normally sort of people bring me into other email channels, but I'm currently over at the good folks at Taxi for Email at the moment. And um so how did I get involved in email? That's a really good question. So as you may see from the guitars behind me, um, used to play in bands sort of in my late teens and 20s, sort of before the kids came along. How did I get people to the gigs? Via email. That's how we got involved. And then through MySpace, for those people that are old enough to, to recognize that, how we got into the HTML and the CSS. Um, and so sort of through those combos is how I got into email. And it's been like that sort of ever since. And, um, you know, I, I'm a true believer that sort of email is the, you know, it's, it's the cheapest route to market. It's the most accurate one. And I think, you know, a lot of people build those multi-channels uh, activities, you know, the marketing activities around the around the email at, at its core, really. So um, it's not going anywhere and neither am I. So um, it's been very good to me. So it's been, you know, I find it it's really great. So, um, yeah, happy to be here. So thanks good. for having me today, Adam. Cheers. Good stuff, mate. Cool. Um, let me just check the stream is working correctly, actually. Um, give me one second. I think I'm having a couple of issues with it. Um, I think it's okay. Just have to carry on and hope for the best. Yeah, it seems to be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so any, anyone who's watching, um, Russell's obviously very technically knowledgeable about all aspects of email um, domain. Sender reputation. We're going to talk a lot about deliverability. So if you have any... Mm key questions we can go quite deep into things um but why don't we start off russell like at the the basics like give us an overview of what email deliverability is and why it's so important yeah certainly so i think i think the first thing to determine is the distinction between delivery rate and deliverability so when you're sending your emails your sending platform will have like a delivery rate on there in terms of the percentage but the deliverability is actually where do you end up like in certain inboxes so spam folders promotional tabs like you know uh, inboxes so that's a good definition to have between there but i think in terms of trying to get people to understand the importance of the role deliverability plays in the success of your business is pretty much to consider your um, email marketing database as you would do like any financial asset that your business holds Adam so just like all other business assets you know your email list it has to be nurtured and look after to, to sort of kind of maintain its profitability with that so each email address within the database has a monetary value attached to it right and that's um, you know the profit that it's going to make the business over the course of its lifetime so the return on investment minus the uh, you know the cost of acquiring and maintaining it so the cost per acquisition the healthier an email list is, you know, the, the more engagement you're going to have, the more transactions over a longer period. And so I think one of the things, the key reasons to consider how important it is, is that sort of, you know, if you were to consider on average that sort of 20% of the emails that you send aren't reaching the intended inbox, that's a, that's a huge potential untapped opportunity for the email channel. 
Um, and so you have to think, well, how many more emails would be seen? How many more emails would be clicked and transacted on if you can just improve your uh, deliverability rate sort of by one to two percent? So the deliverability is, you know, should be a key pillar, um, you know, within your email marketing success. And really what it's doing, Adam, is 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 taking that very first step of the process and that's getting your email seen by your recipient yeah. you know for when they sign up so um you know if you know obviously for the industry that you work in great creative great design doesn't mean very much i'm afraid if it doesn't get seen um so Absolutely. i think it's yeah so i think i think it's important that deliverability is one of those things you just can't set and forget it's a constant maintaining yeah. um with it and um it can appear quite technical and data heavy but actually it's, um, you know, taking like very small, simple steps in maintaining good list hygiene, you know, yep. putting regular, regular audit checks in place as well. But it is about respect. I always think deliverability comes around back around to respect. So somebody gave you permission once to be on your list and now it's your role, you know, sort of within the email channel to uh, make sure that that's constantly respected. And, yep. um, and I think that's what it is. You know, great delivery is, is respect. Yeah, really. I love that. I think you've articulated it very well. Um, I know we touched like very high level there, like what improves it and what um, harms it. So let's go a little mm. bit more granular. Like where should you start making sure that you have good deliverability as a basic starting point for all businesses? For sure. So I think I think the obvious place to start would be like sort of the authentication. So um, again, it sounds quite technical, but it isn't. But things like SPF and DKIM and DMARC are effectively like the, the validations and the signatures from um, you sending emails to the recipient and how the inboxes transcribe that. So one of the very easy ways of seeing whether you've got your authentication set up is that having a look at your email within Gmail there's a three dots on the right hand corner. You just click that, go to show original. And actually what Gmail will do is bring up whether you've passed your SPF and uh, DMARC and DKIM within there as well. So it's a really great way of just being able to, to quickly check that. Um, but you would normally have your, like your technical, you'll have a technical administrator or someone, again, your sending platform can help you uh, to set that up. So I would say that's your first, your first point of call um, in those. So, but there are a number of other areas that you, you do want to look at. So, you know, in terms of send rates, you normally find that if, you know, people are sending out weekly newsletters, they're going to have flat sends for the whole week with a big spike in there. So yeah. one of the things is trying to get a consistent send rate. And again, if you've got automations or sort of gated content and stuff like that, um, you want to try and keep a, you want to try and maintain a sending rate balance, like throughout, you know, a consistent one as well. So there isn't like these spikes and dips um, within there um ip addresses as well so a lot of the time sometimes they can be shared if you have the resource and you're sending out the numbers and you've got someone that can keep an eye on this sort of stuff then you know maybe a dedicated ip resource where you stand alone with it um is a good way because then you're solely responsible for your um ip reputation and your you know your sender reputation uh, yep. within there so there's a number of other things that you can do i mean there is um you know, templates play a part. Now, I imagine in your industry, I was going to ask you about this, is like obviously sort of the e-commerce space, very image-heavy emails that are going out. And so normally taking like a PSD file or sort of large images and slicing those up and sending them, that is all. that is also going to affect your deliverability rate. So what you're trying to look at is like, you know, moving to an HTML where you've got like an 80-20 ratio of text yep. to image um, within that. And then kind of 
in between those sends, really kind of sending like a plain text or a very HTML light type of email to kind of balance them out as well. So, um, you know, <laughs> templates do play a part in the deliverability aspect uh, to it as well. Bounce settings and hard, you know, soft and hard bounce settings and how they're set up. Yep. So that's where, you know, if the inbox is full or the email isn't being delivered, you know, looking at those settings and tighten them up. Your from name, your sender address, those sort of things as well. So there's a lot of there's a lot of different aspects around deliverability that um, can affect your deliverability rate. I think what what we can do is that post once it's um, sort of wrapped up. What I can do is put some tips and some other sort of tools that I use personally to check my sender score and the IFP reputation um, within the comments, so people can go and use those tools, and they're all sort of free tools to be able to use. So I'm happy to share those. I think. Yeah, that's um, just, I think, just you covered a huge amount in there. And I think you can have the best strategy in the world, which I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a strategy guy. Like, I love talking about it. But ultimately, mm. nothing, as you said, if your emails don't actually get delivered. So this is, for me, and I'm sure it is for you, like the most fundamental thing where everything starts. And it's, it's um, yeah, like it's a technical thing that goes over people's heads and they sometimes just don't mm. pay attention to so I think a really good way, I'd like to share this with, with your audience as well, a really good way is to build activity segments. Um, and I'm sure this is, I'm sure at some point you're going to ask me about the iOS thing because that's what everybody wants to talk about at the moment. So, um, but how I do, when I come into a company and do an email marketing audit, what I do is I look at activity segments. So previously it would have been like, who has opened and clicked within a 90 day period? Who has done like 90 days to sort of uh, six months, six to 12 months, et cetera, 12 to 24 months, and then post 24 months. And what I'm doing is I'm creating like active, passive, inactive, and dormant segments. And what I'm then doing is looking at the percentage of the list that sit in these segments. So that is going to give me a rough idea of how engaged and how healthy your email list is. Now, one of the things that um, obviously has changed with the open rates, again, is incorporating for, for great email marketers, they've incorporated other aspects into those activity segments. So maybe created date, last purchase date, um, yeah. sort of web, visit, web visits, multi-channel. And this is, I think this is the iOS thing is going to really sort of start pushing that multi-channel, again, with email at its core. So these are sort of the activity segments. So it's not just open and click. So if you're worried about that, there are other areas, other metrics that you can put into those. And then how I how I manage that is that I'm constantly trying to get people from the dormant group into the inactive and then the inactive into the passive and the passive. So I'm trying to get these active segments as a bigger as percentage of the list as I possibly can. And if you're so if some of your audience is having struggling with like going into the spam folder. This is where you're able to sort of start taking action. So what you want to do is start increasing the um, email sends to the active segments mm -hmm. up there and then splitting them down by Gmail, Outlook, Yahoo, et cetera, so that you can build your sender reputation and back up with the with the ISPs and then move out of the spam folder into um, you know the other inboxes. And it makes no difference whether in, you're in primary or promo tabs, that, that makes no difference to deliverability. But it's a really good way of being able to measure the list of your health and then being able to take actions because you want to decrease the sends, say, if you've got problems with Gmail, you want to decrease those sends yeah. to inactive and dormant people while ramping up the sends to the active segments within those as well. So a bit of segmentation work to be done, bit of, you know, a bit of tracking work to be done on that as well. But I, that's where I find, I, you know, finds really insights into how a, how a 
the how healthy is this and how is it being treated so that's you know a really great way i thought i'd share that with you because um yeah that's one of the oldie, oldie trips i use yeah let me uh, let's go a little bit deeper on that actually i think that's um really valuable advice like you're isolating the inbox provides us that and then like how are you approaching just say for example you have a generic you know in 90 day engaged segments anyone who's opened or clicked an email within a 90 day period are you then like isolating like this one's on yahoo this one's on outlook this one's on gmail and then varying up like the cadence how you're sending to those people how do you approach that yep that's exactly it yep so basically segmenting the list so when you say if you've got a weekly newsletter for example you will you probably want to split the sends out so it's going to the active segments first and again if you want to do sort of gmail and stuff like that um that engagement the higher engagement is then going to benefit the next sort of passive and inactive segments that you're sending out the newsletter to so they're going to benefit from that because you know the isps are going to look at that and go well people are engaging with this list and then you've got the next lot coming on um on board with that as well so it does take a bit of manual work to get it done but most most sending platforms will be able to you'll be able to do those segments and then use them for when you come to, yeah. to do the sends but just you know keeping track of your list health um you know and identify those trends because what you want to see is you want to see nice trends from people moving from the lesser engaged segments to the more active ones as well um and again that's where you probably would put um, you know, extra emails or campaigns to go out, you know, maybe preference uh, center emails, you know, if you haven't got preference centers, really great idea to get that sorted out. So, yeah. you yeah. know, getting people to come in and tell you what they want to hear from you about. Mate, so, it's crazy, isn't it? The amount of um, people even in the last <laughs> couple of weeks, like it, every time I do an audit of a, an account, I always go into the preference center, one of the first things, and it's just usually like name, email and such like a basic missed opportunity to find out more about the customers that no one even <laughs> puts any effort or force into yeah that's right and i think again that's gonna, that's going to help you with the deliverability so all the work is up front and the, the main thing is that yeah. it's a lot easier to keep people engaged from the beginning than it is trying to re-engage re them when they when they've gone cold um, and obviously the amount people seem to forget about the cost per acquisition, the amount of money the brand has spent acquiring these email addresses. So one of the issues around this iOS thing is, um, you know, it's about capturing that data, the right sort of contextual data that's going to help them. And obviously like quiz funnels or sort of, you know, be able to use that data to, to send people down different welcome journeys or different yeah. paths within there. Um, so that is far more relevant and contextual for, you know, for those users rather than everybody just gets a, you know, batch and blast. And obviously people, one of the key things as well, when people sign up for your emails, keep them away from the main retention sends, you know, like the newsletters and stuff like that until they've gone through this yeah, yeah, yeah. program. Because if time, if your timing is not right, if you're leaving a couple of days in Start between the, yeah. that's it. And they're gonna get a newsletter and go, well, this is totally out of context for what it is I came to the brand exactly. for. So getting the right data at the beginning will help keep your keep your uh, audience engaged for, for longer. Great stuff, mate. Love it. Um, let's. Let, I just want to go a little bit further as well. On you mentioned mm. like um, sending out like to different segments. Even say, for example, if you have a ninety-day engaged segment and you want to maximize the delivery rate of that, how much time do you need to leave between each send? So, would you break it down into engaged email thirty days, engaged email sixty days, and then engaged email ninety days, and then? You know, like have zero to 30 days opened or clicked an email, 30 to 60 days opened or clicked, and then 60 to 90. And then would you, for example, send to the uh, zero to 30 days in first thing in the morning and then 
you know, 30 to 60 days in the afternoon and then maybe, um, uh, sorry, the 60 to 90 days, like early, late afternoon or early evening. How much time do you need to um, leave in between sending to like maximize the delivery rate? And is that like the approach you would take on this? Uh, in, a, in, a, in a general way, yes. Okay. But unfortunately, like with everything, it depends, right? So yeah. <laughs> um, again, when it depends on when your best time for sending is. You know, you may find that people who are, are reading sort of first thing in the morning or at lunchtime or evening. So that's where you really want to target them is when they're when they're engaged with that and also when they're taking a particular action. So I think um, again yeah looking at looking at that i mean you've got all of these other areas to put in you know the cross-channel engagement data into those segments and i think that's going to help sort of replace some of the loss of data that you're going to have around the around the open rates but um i mean in my experience i've kind of done them sort of with several hours apart when i've been confident but that's because i know that i work with really clean lists yeah. so i know that the majority the majority of it you know i'm not sending out the majority of the email is going to dormant or inactive people um, so I know that they're, um, you know, they're staggered. So I know about, so personally on, on the ones that I've done, I normally leave them a couple of hours, but again, it does depend on, you know, when people are likely to open the email for your brand and also when they're going to take an action, like when do people purchase as well? So if most of your people are purchasing, um, you know, in the evening or something after work when they get home, then that's probably when your first email wants to go out and then the second one may be following morning or something like that. So it really depends around those bottom of the funnel uh, metrics is what you're looking for, you know? So when you, you're looking for the conversions, you're looking for replies or clicks or, you know, logins and stuff like that. When are those actions going to happen? And I always seem to tie my emails around with when those conversion, you know, the bottom of the funnel uh, conversion yeah. actions are going to happen. Good stuff. Here he is, Rodlin, two legends. Quick comment there. <laughs> Favorite fan. I do. It's good, Rod. Yeah, I'm really pleased to have met him by you as well. So it's my pleasure to have met you by the, the, the email A team, I call us. Um, <laughs> one, one thing I want to ask you actually, how important do you think is um is getting replies to the emails? Does this help with deliverability? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. So I think that, that this is another thing. So, I mean, like around the around these changes, I mean, it's about, you know, designing your emails with these different actions in mind to so trying to move past the click a little bit. So direct yeah. replies, direct replies are excellent um, for those um, for those. Um, and there are, again, like social making your social channels prominent uh, within there uh, again. Other, any other areas that you can find sort of that uh, take away from the click to feature into there any other part of engagement because people may not just want to go and click they might want to go and look on again look on the web or look on go and look on the social yeah. etc like that so there are definitely other aspects that you can put in but replies are always a great great opportunity and i think one of the, the key things with deliverability right is having feedback loops in and having yeah, these yeah, um yeah. having the reply to inboxes so when one of the things that I was taught very, very early on with like with email career is that you, the, the emails, you just don't go into, it's like almost like saying, I want to hear from you, I want you to hear from us, but we don't want to hear back from you. So you've got exactly. to have these open, these open inboxes and they can be a real drag and I've managed them before, right? But unsubscribes and bounced addresses come back in there. You can clean your list. Um, but people also, also manually just put, oh, unsubscribe me or anything else. And you can do that um, from those aspects. But having that open reply, you'd be surprised how many upsells and cross-sells come through from there or how many leads from sales or for products and stuff like that come in. So 
yeah. again, managing managing the deliverability side of it and the authentication, the activity segments, also like the open open inboxes and the reply tos to deal with that as well. And there's nothing better than replying to a marketing email and getting a real life response from someone. And you're like, right, this brand has, in my estimation, that customer, you know, that customer experience has increased because most of the time we just, you know, so a lot of the time you see those do not reply to email addresses and they, they're almost yeah, like. I hate it. As we've had clients in the past where the address is no reply at brands. I'm like, you need to mm. change that shit right now. Like it's, it's terrible. It's so arrogant as well. I feel like yeah. I'm getting a, a, an email from someone saying don't respond to me, but buy my products. Yeah, that's right. Now I used to be funny about that, but actually the more I see, the more empathetic I am. And so um, maybe it's got to do with getting older as well. Right. But the, the thing is they might not have had the skill set within the team to do that. They oh, may have yeah. not had, may have not had with the resources. And so, the more email professionals I speak to, the more I realise that a lot of them have been trying to do everything, you know, themselves, and they only have so many hours in the day. So I'm very sympathetic. But you're right. I mean, there are there are things, especially around the transactional side, and this is where I think with the changes with the iOS now is a really good time to do an audit. Right, have a look in downstream what is based on opens, you know, but you know, based on the opens sort of for the uh, for the triggers and stuff like that. But um, it's a good idea. Question here, actually, just on the subject of the replies, I'm not sure who it is, but they asked, how do you drive more replies to the emails? Do you want to go first? I've got a few ideas, but I'd like to hear like your strategies. Yeah, well, I think um, user-generated content, you know, we'd like to know how you feel. Would you like to do a survey? I just sort of ping back. Um, any yeah, any reason to sort of get in get in touch with us? And again, on a B two B, I know you're like you're on the e commerce space, but from yeah. my point of view, from a B two B side, um, you know, having sort of uh, emails that are coming from sales, um, you know, or other members or personal members of the of the brand or the company, etc., trying to generate those replies by asking them a question or sort of you know promotional offers or etc. like that. Um, again, it depends how it fits into your strategy. It's quite a generic question. I'm interested to see yeah. what, you know, about the e-commerce side. Yeah, I think that the obvious one is like, obviously sort of from a transactional context of just a check-in from support to see how their experience was. And then like you mm. said before, having that conversational approach, you know, very simple. Hey, you bought this 10 days ago. How is, is does it meet your expectations? Just as simple as that. Like, are you happy with your purchase? Um, but then like on a, on a mass campaign marketing level, which I think you might need like a bit more of a sophisticated approach. Um, what we've been doing recently is actually we sent one out today, like playing like competitions, like true or false, like answer this about the brand, like number one, number two, number three. And then sometimes, you know, we're giving prizes out and then announcing them in follow-ups on the email. And like we're getting hundreds and hundreds of responses, like, you know, hundred dollars of store credits or, you know, you get these products, we're going to mm. pick them at random. And obviously like loads of people are responding to the emails. And then what I've noticed is funnily enough, the, um, the open rates are really good on the initial competition, but the follow up open rates are massive, like sometimes 10% more um so yeah wow. like that, that's just one like quick thing we've been doing but the response has been so good that we've sort of rolled it across all client accounts and yeah i think ultimately with these uh imminent changes you're going to see more and more people just have to do stuff like that yeah absolutely absolutely and i think you're you know the emails are going to have to be 
you know, having a granular look at where these links are going to, where, where are the clicks going to and optimizing your emails for, you know, for conversions. So how, the, you know, how designs work within there in terms of how the eyesight, you know, the creativity the, and accessibility as well is really important for people with, um, you know, with poor eyesight. Um, so just make it as easy as possible to get them to take the next step. So, yeah. Um, but encourage those direct replies. And I think... Go on, sorry, I'll, I'll let you finish, Russell, and, and rudely just interject. No, 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 please. And I, but I think, again, one of the things about getting replies or sort of user-generated content or feedback is, you know, if I get something about, I'll oh, take the survey, I'll do something, we'll send you an Amazon card, bosh, in the spam folder you go, because that's done. What I want to know is how does my replies, do they get aggregated in the report? What's the outcome of yeah. these replies? And that's what I want to know about. So, again, you know, predominantly working sort of around B2B, um, you know, it's like, okay, well, if I answer these, I'd like to access exclusive access to the report and the findings and what that means so that then I can use that for the purpose of the business. 100%. Good question, actually, from Rods. Do you think um, ISPs will change the spam filtering systems to deal with the Apple open metric disappearing? I tell you what, there was, we need more from them. And I think the whole deliverability in these changes, they're always on the email marketer. And I think they, I'd love to see, and again, I'd love to see what they're providing from their side, like the insights from them. So yeah. it'd be lovely to share a little bit more about how they, how they sort of qualify those, how, how they're doing them and stuff like that. But I think, um, I think I, again, I'm not really sure whether they will or not. My assumption would be no, but I think how we deal with um, the uh, dealing with the open metric um, by incorporating all this other multi-channel and sort of other cross data within there, um, will actually raise the game. I think it's going to produce better emails and sort of better segmentation for, for those rather than just relying on, um, on you know, on the open rates for there. So I'd like to see a little bit more um, from the inbox providers on this, um, you know, in terms of levels of insight. But, you know, as always, and since sort of March, you know, March of uh, last year, you know, our workloads increased, you know, since, you know, exponentially since then. And I think it's just going to increase more. But that's, you know, that's all the fun of being an email geek, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. No, I think ultimately we're going to see, aren't we, like more reply-based email, like a conversational approach, which That's is it. good. Yeah. Like you said, it'll yeah. force people to have more um, sincere interactions. And yeah, that, I think that the bad marks will do like really clickbaity type stuff with links to try and then segment by clicks. But other people, good senders, will put more emphasis into like the quality of the content that they send out and make sure obviously it's relevant to the, the customer journey. Yeah, I mean, around those sort of spam filtering, I mean, you've got you again internally looking at the bad clicks, right? So, how many people unsubscribed? How many people put in a spam complaint? Um, you know, how many people junked us, etc. And all of those negative things, I think you've got to have, have a very keen eye on to make sure that that percentage of your overall click rate is kind of either you know still the same moderate or being reduced within that as well so you know again it's all on us that's it's all on us to be to do this work to make sure that we kind of appease the you know the um the filtering gods like within so okay we've talked about some of the good things that are beneficial for deliverability what harms deliverability Mm, that's a that's a very good question. Basically, I mean, um, again, not having your authentication in place uh, within that, and 
again, like I just mentioned, I should have saved that for this, but like I just mentioned, all of those negative, those negative clicks and the sort of negative metrics that you have um, within there. But really, this is about sending emails out to people that have clearly not engaged with you for a long time. And again, sales cycles are different. So some people will purchase every 18 months from a B2B or something like that. From an e-commerce, it may be shorter. Again, I, I rely on your expertise for that. But, you know, the, the, everyone says, is email dead? No, of course it's not. But is Batch and Blast dead? I probably think it is. Or well, this open rate thing is going to take a big chunk out of that. And I just don't think you can be sending Batch and Blast emails out to people about a content that they have got no interest in or have shown no preference in, you know, there's no, there's no intent there buying intent or sort of, you know, purchase intent from them, but just generally sending them out and going and saying, right, well, you know, again, when you do your audit with a client, you're looking at it and you think, well, you've been emailing these people for 12 months and they've not opened an email. They've not clicked. They've never yeah. logged in. They've never visited. They've got no page views. What is going on? And that is, um, you know, again, looking at a holistic term, but that is what's going to, harm you again it's that respect is that respectfulness and just some really good practice around those so um yeah i think again just keeping things keeping your list nice and short keeping these active you know the segments the active and passive and inactive segments um and making sure that they are getting more of the emails rather than the lesser ones you know but um again if you've got resource and you've got budget to do so there's no harm buying a separate IP address and then kind of sending other emails out from the separate IP address that are maybe like dormant or lost, et cetera. So it doesn't affect your main one, but also that you can continue to send emails out knowing that it's not going to hurt your um, hurt your main IP address. So yeah, there are lots of different options there, but I think it's just keeping a list, uh, keeping an eye on the engagement levels of and the health of your of your email list, really. That's an interesting idea. Um, I would love to expand more on that, but I think we've got loads of other stuff to, to go through. Got a quick question from Blake here. Do you have any go-to recommendations for warming up an email account that's never been used with an ESP before? Um, yes, yeah, so very much so. Yeah, very much similarly following that process. So IP warming up is done by numbers as well. Like you have to really stagger the amount of sends that you that you 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 can do. So um, again, one of my uh, one of one of the other email colleagues, um, I'm going to name her Yana Torres. She said to me about the deliverability and the, you know this being like almost like a credit score. And it's yeah. the same thing with the IP warm ups, right? You've got to just do it bit by bit. You've got to build that credit up uh, with it. So doing the IP warming, take your active engaged segment first send those out and try to send you know the number of emails out to them first before bringing in the others and then start ramping those volumes up so it does depend on which esp and sort of again the sort of the list and the sort of volumes that you're sending so like with everything adam it depends right but um so take those active lists use those segments and then sort of just increase those numbers um you know either daily or on a weekly basis and that goes back to one of the original points about having these consistent sends right so yeah making sure you've got enough content, make sure you've got enough emails going out the door that can produce, um, you know, produce that consistency, really. So when I go to do the IP warms up, I look at the numbers, I look at the volumes, and then I take those active segments, and then again, break them down by ISPs. You know, maybe do the Gmail ones first, Outlook, Yahoo, et cetera, like that. So that's how I found warming, you know, getting them warmed up. Good stuff. Um, so if we had to summarize like what harms deliverability, would we say the overriding message is just don't email people who aren't engaged? Um, on the whole, um, yes, but again, you you want to try to 
you're never going to win people back by not sending them email. So, you know, maybe putting them on a different IP or or having them outside of one of your busy periods and kind of putting them into an inactive workflow of maybe, you know, 10 emails or something like that. And then if they get to the end of it, they haven't engaged, just suppress them. And one of the ways that, because again, senior stakeholders at director level, et cetera, they're like, we don't want email list, e email addresses deleted. So just suppress them. So we're not getting rid of them, just suppress them within there. So they just don't get the mailings that go out. And yeah. you'll see, you'll, you know, you'll see that there's a, you know, again, more open rates more engagement on that aspect with it so but yeah it's really just keeping an eye on those segments trying to do campaigns and sort of promotions to get people to move up to those more engaged segments uh within there uh, and try and keep it that way but at some point adam it's costing you money to send to these people and they're not opening they're not doing anything so you really yeah yeah let me let me ask you something actually i just sort of popped into my head um curious to hear your thoughts do you think you could increase like the deliverability by increasing the frequency to the really active people. And then that would have like a positive knockover effect system of the more inactive segments. Have you ever experimented with that type of strategy? I've kind of separated them and put them on their own little, little uh, niche. So, I mean, obviously they, if they're signed up, you know, permission to like a weekly newsletter or something like that, they get sent last. So it doesn't impact the deliverability for the others. But what I tend to do is try to do the campaigns for them, particularly on those. So um, based on, again, previous purchase history or, um, you know, their data source, where they've come from, with the type of content they were looking at, mm -hmm. um, and then trying to entice them back with whatever it is that they were looking at. Now, but people move on. I mean, you know, what I was looking at a year ago isn't what I'm interested in now. So it does depend, but I think you you really have to have an attempt at it, but trying to make that as personal again replies in that aspect is, is a good is a good shout. So I think um, th there is. I mean, I would always focus on the the most engaged ones at, at the beginning, but it does depend on your sales cycle. Um, again, so if someone bought from you eighteen months ago, you know you don't want to be cutting them off if you know that eighteen month period is coming back. You want to try and warm them up to get a purchase again another eighteen months. Um, you know, that 18 month time frame. So I try to just segment them and then try to put them into their own workflows like the winbacks or or actually special promo campaigns with those and treat them separately. Yeah, the separate IP is um, is an interesting one. I think like that that's a topic in itself. I'd like to talk to you after this and another time about this. So let's yeah. uh, go on to the, the big subjects, which is yeah. on everyone's lips right now. Uh, we've, we've covered uh, quite a bit of it already. <laughs> Like what metrics are we going to look at like post ios 15 like when this rolls out um how are we going to start to segment people because like an average click-through rate a click rates you know can be between one to three percent maybe three to five on the really good sides like if you do a mass marketing sense like how would you prevent losing people who are opening but not necessarily clicking do you think that maybe you would have to include like stop gaps in between every few cents to say, click this email if you want to stay subscribed or like just to, and then automatically like getting rid of them after a while based on that? Like what's your approach to this? Yeah, well, I think, again, uh, it's a very good, very good question. I think the, the metrics, the metric part of it, again, is, is looking at sort of the conversion funnel further on down the line um in those sort of engagements the the thing is is that if people are open and clicking if you've got a low click to open rate 
that's where your subject line um, is not delivered. You know, the message is not your, your subject line is promising something that your message or the body of the email is not delivering. So I think you've got to do that. You've got to do that subject line testing. And it's a really good idea to sort of have a look at what type of creative or offers or messaging is working while you still have access to that data. Um, in that side of things so if you are having very if you are having low click to open rates it's because something to do with that your um you know your messaging or the subject line is not you know people are opening up the email and it's not delivering that so i think you know that's that's something to look at um, do you think there, sorry to um this one but do you think maybe <clears throat> you know because i've i've been a proponent of saying in the past like you know it's not the be all and all of like clicking an email because sometimes and a lot of the emails we designed like the values in the body of the email. So there's no, not necessarily a need to click somewhere. Are you, I'm thinking like mm. sometimes now our uh, methodology might have to change to actually like force the brands that we work with to create more content and say like, look, you know, we need to drive traffic and click throughs from this. So there's more pressure on the brands as well to generate things that are worth clicking on to then like go and browse and see on the website. Do you think that'll become more prevalent? I think so. Well, I think, again, take stepping back and having a look at the bigger picture is the key thing here. It's about what are we reporting on? And really, you want that um, value, the average value of the email address, the lifetime value to be increasing. So we know that obviously some of the emails that you get sent in between are going to be like brand awareness or some products. It doesn't really going to generate the click. And I think, Again, sending emails only when you've really got something to say or the content that content that is worthy that they, they've asked for. So I think looking at the list overall will kind of negate some of those, these, you know, the granular levels with, with, um, with things like this. So I think, again, pushing, pushing people to other areas, you know, that isn't just reliant on the click. So, the, you know, like, like we spoke about earlier, like the replies or the social yeah. aspects or anything else like that, being putting in there because... I mean, attribution is so difficult to measure, right? There, there's a lot in there. But again, no one really sees, um, you know, the, the whole value that the email channel brings to it. So people will open the email, they won't click it, but then they're going to go and come and join your site later on in the evening or go to the social yeah. or wherever their preferred channel is. And so it's your job as an email marketer to offer those avenues out for them and make it as easily and simply as possible um, to be able, you know, to be able to do that. Uh, really, but I think at the end of the day, and one of the things that I've always found really interesting, obviously reporting in like a seven or a thirty-day window, like for after the campaigns has finished, at the end of the year, go and do the whole year's email analytics and get the conversion of the click rates and see the difference between what it states at the end of the year versus what your monthly figures are going to be, and you will then visibly be able to see what the long tail of email looks like. Because people come back to emails weeks, months after, and then go and take some sort of action on the back of that. And yeah. if you're doing sort of seven or thirty day, you know, attribution windows for the emails, then um, you're going to miss that. So I think you have to you have to kind of step back for for the subscriber experience, have a look at the granular point of view, but actually as a health and how um, you know how it's looking. Have a look at you know have a look at the end of the year, look at the bigger picture, the you know average order values. The lifetime value of the of an email address, you know, lowering those cost per acquisitions, and just making sure that that figure at the end of the year for the return on investment for the email address, like we talked about right at the beginning, about nurturing it, looking after it, and respecting it, you will find that that will be greater than it was at the beginning. So, 
Um, I think there's a lot of different metrics and um, to have a look at here. And I think, and from my point of view, Adam, I'm really pleased about that because there is only so much an open rate can tell you on that aspect. And and again, the, the thing that's jarred me a little bit about, because vanity metric is the new unprecedented, right? I'm sick about hearing about it. You would never look at an open rate on its own and go, right, this is what it's telling me. It's like, no, it's always in a combination of other metrics yeah. that yeah, are yeah. within there as well. And this change is going to force email marketers to look at those other, um, you know, multi-channel and other other email metrics as well, along like read rate as well. You know, would someone read the email, the skim it, you know, the time they spent reading that and putting them in there. And it's going to produce better. It's going to raise the game. It's going to produce better segments um, in there. So I, I, I've got no fear about this at all because, um, you know, for people like myself, we've been using these other metrics for quite a while now. So good stuff. What would be your overriding message then to people who are maybe feeling anxious about this? Like, what would you say to them to get prepared now? Mm. So I think, don't be too worried. I think the, the worry is coming, and you know more about this than I do, is on the back of the app changes, the, the track of the app tracking changes that happened um, recently. So people are looking at these in combination. So um, again, I think they're, you know, they may be panicking about it, but I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. I think, you know, taking a holistic view, you know, about the, what the subscribers can do with your emails. And like, again, looking at those preference centers, if you haven't got one, get one set up and get those in so that people can tell you what they are looking for um, and have the, and have the customer at the heart of it. So actually you're just delivering what they are, they're asking for. Mm. now is it but i i think one of the things now is that it's a really good opportunity to clean your lists right go and you know run them for a verifier or uh, again you know sort of have checking them out now is a really good time before we lose this data to make sure that you've got a healthy a healthy list as possible and go in and and again great opportunity to re-edit how does data come into my business how is it treated now, how is it, you know, how is it segmented and et cetera um, within that? So it's a great idea to have a look at, have a look at, um, you know, just just generally how your data processes works within the company and what happens to them as, as they're coming in. So because, um, you know, making sure you've got contextual data at the point of sign up mm-hmm. and then sort of looking at a more progressive profiling later on, but again, delivering that value in between. So I don't think, it's anything to worry about as long as you're keeping the, the that sounds obvious Adam I know but keeping your subscriber at the heart and your customer at the heart of what you're doing and just think of having them at the forefront of your mind and not every email is going to be a sale email I get that um, within there so I think just try and personalize that as as much as you can and you'll, you'll be in good shape you know it, it, it is basic advice but I think ultimately the reason people just don't do it, do they? Like they just have a one-way conversation where they just blast the shit out of everyone and think because they just saturate them, like they're going to buy. But I think the what you're basically saying is just create positive touch points that are relevant to the customer and you'll yeah. be fine. Absolutely. And I mean, looking at your bounce rates and the unsubscribe rates, it is very easy and your list volume, and that is about, your list volume is a vanity metric, like it's 100%. But you have to look at your churn rate and the unsubscribe rate and the complaint rate, and you will very be very easily be able to work out how long it is before you completely exhaust your email list. And if you are doing those batch and blasts like that, I can assure you, it won't be very long before um, you know you've got a you've got a, a dead list on your hands. And obviously, 
the whole idea of this is that you're uh, reducing your churn, you're keeping that retention because it's just costing you more money to acquire these people. And if, he's got, if you're paying more to acquire them and they're not looking after them, it's like, what's the point? But I, like I said earlier, I have complete empathy um, with these situations because, you know, some people just may not have the, the education or the knowledge to, to know what to look for. And again, I thought I knew it all before I went and did my email marketing award. And then after that, I was like, how much do I not know? And even to this day, um, yeah. you know, we're talking to, um, you know, someone else the other day who was testing the number of different profile, uh, number of different fields on the sign up form. And that's something that I've, I've never done before. And I was like, what a yeah. great idea. So I never assume anything. And I always, you know, again, I never call myself an expert or anything like that, because I'm always surprised at what I don't know when I speak to more and more email professionals like, you know, like yourself and like with Rod and Ruth and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I feel like the job is never done. The, the education and learning is never done, Adam. You know, it's all going on. Oh, there, exactly. so. It's um, it's interesting. Isn't it? I think email for me is like it's such an intricate channel that some people think is simplistic or you just build an email list and send them. But, you know, in, inside, or I was actually speaking to someone else who owns an agency. They were asking uh, for advice yesterday and I was explaining to them how many people were involved in, um, you know, the process of just building a campaign email for us. Yep. Like everything yep. from strategy to project management to copy, design, um, someone building the email and then someone like QA testing it. It's like that's basically six people for one email, like each with a, a dedicated yep. role. And then, um, yeah, like there's a lot that goes into it. So, mm. uh, yeah, absolutely. No, and I get that. And I hope you don't mind if I put a little promo in here, but that is exactly the reason why I'm at Taxi for Email, right? This is, is because it's to reduce the email production time by 8% if you've got comments coming in from everywhere, you've got sort of, you know, silo data parts of it. And so having, you know, having a platform like that reduces your build time by 8%. Everything's, you know, streamlined. You've got the workflows, comments and approvals and the exports and stuff like that. And then what that does is it frees up the time for strategy so you can get off the hamster wheel of this constant building, production, building, production, sending aspect and really start to get on with, um, you know, things like RFM modeling, you know, um, and segmentation and the strategy part of it as well. So um, if you're on that hamster wheel, it's really difficult to sort of find the time to advance your email maturity levels um, if you're constantly going through the same thing. So um, that's one of the reasons why I went to Taxi because I could absolutely see the value for an email marketer that, you know, um, that it's going to provide. So a uh, little pitch that's over there. Thanks very much. No, no problem, mate. No, I know it's, um, it's a great service for you. So, yeah, let, let's round it out at this point on that note. Um, how can people contact, sorry, find out more about what you're doing at Taxi for Email? Is it best to contact you through LinkedIn or email? Yeah, uh, yeah, either way, yeah. If you'd like to find out sort of what Taxi does, yeah, you're more than welcome. Jump, drop me a line on LinkedIn because I always connect with other email professionals as well. So it's always a pleasure. Um, or simply go to the Taxi for Email site and fill out the demo form and, um you know, we can we we get in touch and take it from there. If you'd like to have a look, it just goes a bit, you know a bit more about it. So, I uh, appreciate that. Thank you, Adam. No problem at all, mate. No, it's been a pleasure having you here. If anyone has any questions, if they watch later and follow up, feel free to just drop them in the comments below. I'm sure Russell will be happy yeah. to answer them. Um, but you. yeah, any parting words that you wanted to part with? No, keep up the good work. I think since, you know, if you're an email marketer and you're reading this, you're doing a bloody good job since, you know, the send has increased since this pandemic. 
the focus is on you because of the you know the value that the email channel does so keep in there and keep up great work and what i'm going to do to help everybody out is that when um you know later on what i'm going to do is put some of the free tools and some of the free audit um you know points underneath sort of within the comments so do come back and check those out so they're all there available and if again if there's anything i can do or if there's any comments always welcome to drop me a line it's always a pleasure to speak to other email professionals so really appreciate that adam thanks very much buddy no problem at all mate um yeah definitely hit russell up for that deliverability checklist it's a beast um super super <laughs> valuable so drop my comment for that but yeah i'm gonna end it here mate absolute pleasure like thank you so much for your time really appreciate it and i'll speak That's to you right. soon thanks very much you too adam all the best buddy thank you